Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi there, I'm Cindy Linden, and this is the Cook Along Podcast. We're going to do something a little risky today, and the risk factor involves the fact that we're making a brand new recipe that I've never tried before, and it's for scones. And as some of you may have heard me talk about before, I really detest dry scones. I just don't see the point in baking something like a scone or a biscotti that is completely inedible because it's so dry unless you saturate it with some liquid you have to dunk it in. That seems crazy to me. Something should be good all by itself. You shouldn't have to fix it by soaking it in some fluid. So I'm pretty picky about my scones. I have three scone recipes on my website right now. I have two sweet ones with fruit in them and a savory scone recipe that has roasted red peppers and feta and basil. That's kind of fun. What they all share in common is that they are really moist, that you can eat them by themselves or with a little butter and not have to soak them in coffee or some other detestable thing. So this recipe I'm just hoping is going to be moist. Some of the ingredients give me some hope that they're not going to be too dry. I'm doing it because it's peach season and I have peaches to use and why not scones. This comes from a recipe that was adapted from a latte food, a lot of food, which you can find online. I've made a couple of changes that I'll tell you about as we go. Here is the ingredient list. Two cups plus two tablespoons of regular all-purpose flour. A third of a cup of brown sugar. That's in the recipe's favor as well, because I love the taste of brown sugar. A tablespoon of baking powder. A half teaspoon of salt. A half cup of unsalted butter, cubed and cold, which means you don't want it so soft it's going to smush, because we've got to cut it into the dry ingredients. One egg. A quarter cup heavy whipping cream. Plus, we'll need a little more for brushing on the top of the scones before we bake them and a little more for a glaze that goes on top. So we're going to use it three different ways. A quarter of a cup of sour cream. That's one of the things that gives me some hope that this won't be a dry scone recipe. And then here's my first modification. The recipe calls for three teaspoons of vanilla extract. 
I've replaced that with two teaspoons of vanilla extract and one teaspoon of almond extract because I know that the flavor of almond goes with the flavor of peaches kind of like magic, and I couldn't see a reason not to use that magic here. The other change was sort of not exactly planned or scientific, but it calls for a half cup of diced fresh peaches. So I peeled my peach, and I pitted it, and I started dicing, and it turns out that a half a cup is about half a peach. So here I am, then, with a leftover half a peach that's been peeled and pitted, and I could have just eaten it, I suppose, but it seemed to me that more peaches is better, and so this could completely mess up the chemistry of this recipe. It also could be beneficial and contribute to how moist it is. I don't know, but I decided, what the heck, let's go all in, let's use the whole peach. I know, many of you are sitting there saying, I don't have a problem figuring out how to get rid of half a peach. But it's just what I decided to do. And then there's a glaze And the glaze is just your sort of simple powdered sugar frosting, but it's going to be kind of thin because it's a glaze. And so for that, you need a half cup of powdered sugar, two teaspoons more of vanilla extract, and one to three tablespoons more of the heavy whipping cream. So we're actually using that whipping cream in three different ways. Equipment you're going to need includes a baking sheet and parchment paper or a scone pan and Baker's Joy baking spray, one or the other. I happen to have the scone pan, which I bought specifically for the blueberry scone recipe that's on my website, thecookalongpodcast.com, in case I didn't already say that. And it turns out to have its advantages, but also its disadvantages. For instance, I bought the Baker's Joy spray, which is an oil spray that has flour in it, specifically because I bought this pan, and you can't use the pan without it, and I don't use the spray for anything else, so here I am now with two tools in my house that are completely dependent on each other, and yet good for nothing else. I mean, I can make cornbread in it, but it's still a kind of a one-use item. I just thought it was so cool when I saw it, and I sort of just impulsively spent money on it. It's it's cast aluminum, which is also my first experiment into that. And I kind of love it, but um, the scones are a little hard to get in here. And like I said, it's a one-purpose tool, which isn't the best thing to supply your kitchen with. <laughs> I just got kind of suckered into that online shopping thing. You know what I mean? So if you don't have one of these very specialized scone pans, your baking sheet and parchment paper are what you're going to use instead. You will also need a large bowl, a medium-sized bowl, a pastry cutter or fork or a couple of table knives, and some way to put heavy whipping cream onto the top of your scones before we bake them. So I'm using a pastry brush, a silicone pastry brush. You can use a horsehair or whatever it is, paint brush, you know, obviously one you use in the kitchen and not in the wood shop, or even just a spoon will do the job. And in terms of do-aheads, I think there are 
four of them. You need to preheat your oven to 400 degrees. I'm going to use my toaster oven again because it's small and I don't have to preheat it. And it means that in the summer I can bake without any kind of heat issues in my kitchen. Plus, it doesn't really need much time to preheat. My oven is really slow. It can take 30 minutes, can take 40 minutes for my oven to preheat and then sit. Because there's a blog on my website. It's, I think, the first one I wrote. It's called Tricky Oven Temperatures. And it, it turns out that you really... I learned this from a oven repair guy, that you really can't count on the center of your oven being the temperature you set it at, even when the oven beeps to say it's reached its temperature, for several more minutes. Because the sensor, it turns out, the sensor for the heat, I shouldn't tell you this. I should make you go read the blog. It's really a fun little blog. Just go read the blog. You can probably intuit the rest, but... I, I think you should read it because I really like my blogs. They were fun to write. I think they're fun to read and they're really short. So, the cookalongpodcast.com, tricky, tricky oven temps. Look for it. Now, what else do I have to tell you? Oh, the do-aheads. We were talking about the do-aheads. So, uh, the second thing we need to do is put your parchment paper on top of your baking sheet. Line your baking sheet, in other words, with the parchment paper. The third thing is to get your unsalted butter out. It should stay cold, but you want to cut it into little cubes because otherwise it's going to be really hard to use. So, cutting it into little squares is helpful. And the fourth thing is to peel, pit, and dice your peach. I'm going to need to cube my butter with you uh, rather than do it as a do-ahead because I put myself in a bit of a pickle in that I always keep my unsalted butter frozen because I don't use it often enough and it just sits in my refrigerator and takes up space. So I've been trying to kind of warm it up a little bit at a time in the microwave oven, but I got to tell you, oh, it's a little bit softer than I thought it was. It's taking forever. So I just, I'm going to talk to you while I cut this into little cubes. I actually pulled up this recipe because I went looking online. It was National Peach Pie Day. So I typed in peach pie because I was looking for something that wasn't peach pie. I have a great peach pie recipe that I really like. It's actually a Betty Crocker recipe from decades ago. that was in a cookbook my mother gave me when I left for college or... I don't remember when. Anyhow, it was a long time ago. But I just didn't feel like dealing with a pie. I didn't want to make a crust. I ended up making something I already had a recipe for, which is a juicy peach crisp, which is astounding. Oh, my God. It's so it's so good. And I posted that as a podcast on National Peach Pie Day, which was the 24th of August. And you can find that on... All the podcast places, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, all those all those places carry it. And it's well worth a listen. It's short because the dessert's really easy to make. And it's, oh my God, so good. Anyway, because this recipe had the words peach pie in it, I thought, well, maybe I can make scones for peach pie day. I opted not to because that other recipe is so amazing. But that left me with this stray recipe and, coincidentally enough, a stray peach, 
which is why we're still having this recipe, why I'm trying it, despite the fact that I don't know whether they're going to be moist scones or dry scones. That's the story, and I'm sticking to it. So all my do-aheads are done. If yours are as well, which I'm going to assume they are, or you would have paused this already, or you would go pause it now, now we're going to put some things together. Into the big bowl, we're going to start with the flour. I keep a spoon in my flour bin because, as I tell you always, you don't want to get too much flour by just dipping it and scooping it. That jams flour down into the measuring cup and you get way too much. And especially since I'm so focused on keeping these from being too dry, I stir it up to aerate it and then I'm spooning it into the cup. And again, two cups plus two tablespoons. So you scoop it in until it's just mounded up a little bit, level it off with the handle of the spoon. I know it's a little silly to keep a spoon in here, but since I almost always measure flour this way, I just have to dig through for a minute because it's never sitting on top. It's always buried somewhere in the middle. And once I find it, it's just a tool that's always where I need it. Okay, there's the two scoops, and then I need to get a measuring spoon to get my two tablespoons and I'm not going to spoon those in. I am going to scoop those, but I'm just going to do it lightly and not press too much in to the spoon. Now, now the good stuff. Third of a cup of brown sugar. And as always, it's packed because that's the way you measure brown sugar. As densely packed as you can get it and put that in with the flour in the big bowl. Then go back to the tablespoon you used for the flour and scoop in a tablespoon of baking powder. Be sure it's baking powder, not baking soda, which is really salty. They behave differently. Baking powder in with the brown sugar and flour. And then a half a teaspoon of salt. I'm a little bit tempted to put a little cinnamon in here, but I think I, think I won't. Peach crisp had a lot of cinnamon in it, and that was fabulous. But maybe in a scone, it's going to be nicer to have the peach shine out. Maybe we'll play with the glaze a little bit. I have an idea about something we could maybe put in the glaze that could be really fun. So now I'm using my pastry cutter. And you could just use a spoon if you don't have a pastry cutter. A pastry cutter looks like something you would hurt somebody with. I've described it once as brass knuckles only in stainless steel, but it's more like, it's, so it's got a handle, it's almost a circle, so your hand holds one side of the circle, which is the handle, and then the other side is five sort of blades, and it's really handy for putting butter into dry mixture and leaving some part of the butter intact. So that's the next thing, is we're taking all those butter cubes and dumping them into the flour. And then you can use a fork for this, or a couple of forks for this. I think a, th a fork would be hard. Uh, that's what the recipe suggests if you don't have a pastry cutter. But uh, you can also use a couple of knives. And you just sort of cross the flat part of the knives against each other. Sort of slide them back and forth over and over through the butter and through the flour until it chops the butter into little pieces. You can find, I'm sure, videos of how to cut butter into flour using a couple of knives online. If you needed to do that, you can also find pictures of pastry cutter. 
I don't use mine all that often, but when I do, I'm really glad to have it. And it's a tool that is useful in the kitchen if you do much baking. So what we're doing, I'm pushing this five-blade mechanism, this tool, against the pieces of butter and down into the flour and sort of rocking it. And what that does is what's called cutting the butter into the flour. And it makes the butter pieces smaller. It ensures that they're all, all the little pieces as they get smaller and smaller are also coated with the flour mixture. And once in a while you have to clean off the cutter with your fingers. So see, you can see this. This is why we wanted the butter cold. Because if it was warm, you know, it would just smush. You'd never be able to get little bits like this. It shouldn't have been frozen. Just out of the refrigerator would have been a lot easier. I mostly cook with salted butter because I can just grab it out of the fridge. It's always there. It's always easy. But sometimes, once in a while, when it says unsalted butter, I feel obligated to follow the recipe. We're looking to get the pieces of butter fairly small. So your whole thing, as it all kind of mashes together, that's the wrong word, because I don't want you to think it comes together like a dough. It doesn't. As the whole thing sort of mixes together, the butter gets smaller, the flour gets a little bit of butter all over it, and the butter gets a little bit of flour all over it. We're looking to have it be like coarse crumbs. The reason that we do this instead of just like melting the butter and pouring it in is because the little pieces of butter will make nice little pockets as this is baking that will stay sort of moist and flaky whenever you're doing a cutting a butter in thing that's why because the butter once it's surrounded by flour will kind of stay in place and melt and that makes these nice little butter pockets butter flavored pockets how can that be a bad thing all right, I'm going to call that good. There are bigger pieces, there are smaller pieces. I think I'm just going to call that done. Mostly because I'm tired of doing it. So that was the end of the dry ingredients. Now we're going to get the medium bowl. It's also subjective. Somebody says a medium apple or a medium peach. or What does that mean? How big is that? Anyhow... Into your medium bowl, you want to put a quarter of a cup of your heavy cream. And heavy cream is going to stick to your measuring cup. So you might want a rubber spatula to get it out of the measuring cup. That's another tool that I didn't think of earlier. I only think of them as I use them. Sorry about that. I am using a low-fat sour cream. That seems a little silly, perhaps considering that I'm using full-fat heavy cream, but it's what I always have in the house. I just find that the difference between some, at least, some low-fat sour cream and full-fat sour cream is not enough to make a difference, and I figure it's one place I can save on some fat. So the one I'm using today is made by Tillamook, which is a dairy here in Oregon, on our Oregon coast. And they make wonderful stuff. And that is also a quarter of a cup into the measuring cup and then back out of the measuring cup and into the medium bowl. Okay. Now the other wet stuff we've got is an egg. I'm going to, uh, this is, uh, 
This is an old story, but it's a true story, and you can hear how it actually happened. I have almost always just cracked my egg into the batter of whatever I'm making, because I know if I get shell in there, I can always scoop it out. I'm not worried about it. I do always say, you know, if you're worried about getting shell in there, you don't want to have to mess with trying to figure out how to get those little tiny pieces of shell back out of your mixture. Crack them into a small bowl first, and that way you can always fix it in the bowl before you dump the bowl in. Well, like I said, I don't usually do that. And then one day, I made a recipe. It's my favorite, favorite brownie recipe of all time. My grown son told me it was the best brownie he'd ever eaten in his whole life. And I kind of feel the same way. And it's, again, one of the podcasts you can find on your podcast delivery system or on my website. It's for one bowl brownies. So they're even easy. But when I made them, (laughs) I cracked... It cracked an egg open, and it had just started to drip when I realized it was a terrible color, that it was green, and smelled awful. It was the first time I'd ever found a rotten egg, and so from then on, out of anxiety that's probably misplaced, because I'm not a spring chicken, and I'd never had that happen before, so it doesn't happen very often. Anyway, I'm just saying, it doesn't ever hurt to crack your egg or eggs that you're using in a recipe into a little bowl before you put it in with the wet ingredients, just in case anything, right? Just in case anything. So I've just cracked my egg into a little bowl and then dumped the egg from the bowl into the bowl that has the whipping cream and sour cream in it. The other wet ingredients are the vanilla extract and the almond extract. And we want two teaspoons of vanilla. I'm using imitation vanilla. It's a very specific imitation vanilla made by bakers. I use that. Well, today, honestly, I'm using it because my real vanilla is in the basement and I don't want to make a trip down the stairs for it. But a blind taste test has shown some interesting things about imitation vanilla. That is also on a blog on my website This one's called Imitation Vanilla Surprise. And I really do, if you you bake at all, you should look at that. Because the price of vanilla is incredibly high and going higher. I don't believe it'll come down probably ever. So you might want to check that out and save yourself some bucks. It's not just me who's saying this, okay? So look for that blog. It's short and sweet and will save you a ton of money. Now I'm putting in one teaspoon of the almond extract. Going in with the eggs, sour cream, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to whisk it. Oh, there's another tool I didn't think to tell you about. A whisk. And unlike the pastry cutter, which I'm going to say is an optional tool for your kitchen, a whisk really is so useful and so valuable. Everybody should have one. There's another blog. Boy, I'm really going through them today. There's another blog on my website about the stuff you should have in your kitchen. Well worth the read, particularly if you're just starting to outfit a kitchen for yourself or a young person. It's in four parts. Tools, pans, groceries, and spices. So you could read one part if you don't feel like you yourself might know what somebody might want in their kitchen. 
or you can read all four. Now, we're adding the wet ingredients to the dry. So I made a little pit, a little volcano caldera. <laughs> oh boy, that's a stretch. In the middle of the dry ingredients, and I am pouring all this wet stuff that we put together in there. And the recipe says we want to mix it just till they're combined. That usually means if you go too far and just over mix it, you're going to end up with something denser and chewier than what you really want. So we're just going to fold it gently together. Boy, the almond in there, I got to tell you, I can't smell the vanilla, but I can sure smell that almond. And while I'm sure three teaspoons of vanilla, which is quite a lot for a single recipe, would be lovely, I know I am not going to regret having put that almond in there. I might have to resort to using my hands here. I don't know if you're finding the same thing I am, but it's dry enough. Hopefully it won't be dry. The dough, the batter, whatever this is, is dry enough that it doesn't mix together easily. The dry stuff is kind of staying dry, but it says till just combined. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean combined as in there's no more dry stuff? Or does that mean until it's just all together? I'm going to stop. In the interest of not overmixing, I can see there's still a lot of kind of dry stuff here, but I don't want to overmix it because we're not done stirring yet. Now the peaches go in, and I can see why this cook might have used only half a cup because this is going to be a lot of peaches for this amount of dough. Still, I can hardly imagine that that's a bad thing unless it just makes them really wet. (laughs) I mean, moist is one thing. I don't think wet is the answer, though. So we're just folding those in, gently kind of just sort of put your spatula down to the bottom, scoop it, and bring all the stuff up to the top. And then here's where we're going to probably part ways. If you don't have a scone pan, you're going to do something different than what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to make it so I can't see any more dried flour. That's my goal. And now I'm going to scoop with my finger, clean off the spatula. Because we're going to work with our hands now. If you have a scone pan, you want to take what's in this bowl and divide it into eight equal pieces and somehow kind of press them into the triangle shapes in your scone pan. If you don't have a scone pan, so you want to put some flour on a cutting board or some kind of surface and turn this kind of pile of shaggy, half-dry, half-gooey stuff out onto that floured surface and form it into a disc. Start with making it into a ball as you take it out and put it onto the floured surface and then just sort of flatten it until you have a disc. Your disc should be about half an inch thick. I'm gonna leave you to do that while I figure out how to divide mine into eight pieces and get it into this scone pan, which is all gonna be done by hand. I love that I don't have to divide the dough with a knife because that's the next step, but (laughs) <laughs> the pan is, huh, is not as easy to use as I want it to be. Anyhow, once you get it into a disc, you're going to cut six to eight slices. You get to choose. I don't because I have an eight triangle pan here. Cut it with a sharp knife and separate those slices and then put those slices about two inches apart on your baking sheet. All right. And then come back to me. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, so hopefully you've got your six or eight scones. I think eight is probably better. I should have told you that. I just think six is going to make them too big. Now you want to take a little more of that heavy cream and pour it into a tiny bowl. And dip your spoon or your pastry brush into there and just spread some whipping cream. Whipped cream. No, whipping cream (laughs) over the top of each of these scones so that they all have a little coating on the top. This will help them brown, but it will also help with something. I think we're going to improvise a little. I know we're going to glaze these, but I think it won't hurt to also use one of my favorite ingredients for baking, which is some sparkling sugar because I like the crunch and because it looks pretty and because there'll be places the glaze doesn't get to and this will take care of it. I just love using this stuff. It's so fun. It maintains its shape and its crunch. And so you have this nice little sort of crystal thing that happens in your mouth. It's fun. Okay, now pop your sheet pan or your scone pan or whatever you're using into your preheated 400 degree oven. And set the timer for 16 minutes. We're going to check it at 16 minutes just to be sure we don't overdo them. It might take as much as 18 minutes, but we're looking for them to be just golden brown. Put them in there. Keep an eye on them. Check them at 16. Give them another minute or two as you go if you need them to get a little more golden brown. 
when you take them out, they need to cool for a little bit. And while they're cooling, come on back to me and we'll make the glaze for the top. I have high hopes here of a dream come true. I just pulled my scones out. It did take me an extra two minutes just to get them a little bit golden. They look amazing. They look super moist. They look not dry and hard in any way. They're really springy when I touch them. Peaches are poking themselves out through the dough and look beautiful. And... Oh my gosh, they're really gorgeous. I, I'm going to take a picture here. That's my job. Take a picture for the web page. Yeah. Oh my goodness, these are pretty. I think these are going to be more than a little moist. I think they're going to be really wonderful. Now I'm kind of excited. I may have found a brand new scone recipe that works for me. So they need to cool for a little bit before we can glaze them, or else the glaze is just going to slide right off. But we can make the glaze. If you used a sheet pan and parchment paper, just let them sit there. They'll be fine. If you want to, you can carefully move them over to a cooling rack, but I don't think you need to worry about it too much. If you're using a scone pan, I think we're going to have to actually get them out of here before we glaze them. Are we? Well, if we want the glaze to run down the sides, we're going to have to get them out of here. If we don't care about that piece and we just want it on the top, we don't have to do that. Anyway, they need to cool for a minute. Okay, but while they're cooling, let's make the glaze. Here's a place where you could use another whisk, maybe a smaller one. You want a small bowl, and we're going to scoop a half a cup of powdered sugar out of the canister and put it into this small bowl. And then two teaspoons of vanilla extract. This is going to be pretty thin. It doesn't take much liquid to thin out powdered sugar. I'm not using almond here because I think that would be too much almond. So we're just doing the vanilla. However, I am going to do something unexpected. Just improvise a little bit further. I have some ground cardamom. I'm going to put the tiniest pinch of this, which means you put a little between your forefinger and your thumb, and then sprinkle it in. Let's see if I can smell it. Yep, yep. Don't want more than that. All right, and then back to the heavy cream. And it says one to three tablespoons. And I guess it depends on how thin you want your glaze. So let's start with one, because the heavy cream is pretty thick. It may not take more than that, especially with all that vanilla in there. And then I'm going to use a tiny whisk and mix that up. Oh, yeah, because of the vanilla, it's turning a sort of golden brown sort of vanilla color, I guess. What the uh, goal is in the whisking is to get all the lumps out. So if you're using a spoon instead, just make sure you keep stirring it until there aren't any lumps. The whisk just makes that happen more quickly. And it doesn't hurt to have more than one size whisk in your house. They're fun. Now, decisions. Do I want it thinner than that? Uh, I don't think I do. It's pretty thin. I think if I want it to run down the sides, I might want it a little thinner. You know what? I'm going to try to take one of these out. I don't know how that's going to work. I'm going to use a pie server and just see if I can get one of these out and onto a plate. This is probably a mistake. Don't do this, okay? Don't do this. It's a probably, yeah, it's way too hot. It's way too hot and it's just going to fall apart. Oh, dang it. Let me 
means that I have to wait. I hate that part. All right. Well, anyway, you're just going to drizzle the glaze, however thin you like it. And you can make it quite a lot thinner. I mean, I'm thinking this is fine, but it's saying you could use up to two more whole tablespoons of liquid if you want it really thin. So that's your call. You drizzle it over the top of the scones, and then your scones are ready to serve. Like I said, I'm pretty excited about these. They seem really lovely, cakey things. I am really pretty hyped about this. It might turn into a four-star recipe for me. <laughs> it might be up there with my blueberry scones, which I think are really, really good. I would love to hear how yours came out. Again, because this is a brand new recipe, what other people think could be really helpful to me. On the podcast page for this recipe, there's a place to leave comments, and that would be very cool and helpful. You also could leave me your comments on my Facebook page, just Facebook and then the Cook Along podcast. You could probably find the post for this, but you could also just private message me if you prefer to do it that way. Let me know what you thought or what you did. Send me pictures. That would be mojo cool. I would love to have your support on my Patreon page, patreon.com. Type in the Cook Along podcast where you're able to support me there for the work that I do and share with you. Word of mouth is my best advertising, so please tell your friends you listen to the Cook Along podcast. Tell them why you like it. Tell them the things we've done. Tell them to check out the website where all those blogs and ideas for other cooking things are. And we'll cook together again soon. All right, I don't usually do this, but this is an afterword. These are really good. These are really good. They are super moist. It's more like a cake than a scone, so some of you may not like it. The extra peaches were the right thing, absolutely. The almond extract was the right thing, absolutely. And the cardamom is just really a nice little tease on the top. I think you could leave it out and not miss anything, but the flavor is great with the peaches. These are extraordinary. They are so moist. I am kind of in love with them. Just wanted you to know that my hopes and dreams came true on this one. So till next time, happy cooking! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can make a contribution through the supporter link on every Cook Along podcast page or go to Ko-fi. KO-FI.com slash the Cook Along Podcast. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening.